Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. This episode is brought to you by Hunt Hickory Creek. And new to Hunt Hickory Creek this year is their Central Kansas Lodge. They're going to be running hunters from the end of October all the way through January. And their main hunting area is located between Kavira National Refuge and Cheyenne Bottoms. Central Kansas is a special place for waterfowl hunting, and during the peak migration, those refuges hold hundreds of thousands, if not close to millions of ducks and geese at a time, mainly speckle belly, snow, and lesser Canada geese, mallards, pintails, and widgeon. You may have an opportunity to harvest all of these species in one hunt. You'll be very comfortable every morning in their Avian X A-frame blinds or laying on backboards, and they hunt over 1,200 of the industry's finest decoys. So visit their website at www.hunthickorycreek.com for booking information and follow them throughout the year on Facebook and Instagram. And don't miss your opportunity at a hunt of a lifetime with Hunt Hickory Creek. If you're going to hunt Kansas, hunt Hickory Creek. Welcome to the Fowl Front Outdoors Waterfowl Podcast, where our goal is to recruit and educate new hunters while entertaining the rest of you. Without new hunters and the mentorship of those more seasoned, this passion as we know it faces an uncertain future. So get the word out, turn the volume up, and enjoy the show, because you're on the foul front. This episode is also brought to you by Grip Pack Calls. If you want to produce a more versatile, realistic, and higher quality sound with all the ease of a double read, whether you're looking to up your game or just starting out. Let a Grip Pack call work just as hard for you as the Grip Pack crew did to develop and bring you next level quality with easy blowing calls. Grip Pack calls. Find your grit. All right, so today uh, we've got a close friend of the show on today. Uh, we got Chase from Hunt Hickory Creek, and uh, he's going to be giving us a little, a little lowdown on what it's like to be a guide and kind of go into his story on how he, he became one, because I know there's quite a few people that are out there that are interested in that life, and um, just kind of telling the story of you know what he's got going on here in Kansas, and kind of get into it. So, what do you think, Chase? Hey, Ben, how you doing today, buddy? Doing well, doing well. It's good to, uh, it's good to be back on the show, and uh, I've had kind of a crazy summer up to this point, but uh, finally winded down, and getting back into training dogs and uh booking up some hunts and getting excited for waterfowl season it's uh it's right around the corner well it feels like it is it's still a few months off for us but uh 
teal season's not too far away, I guess. So that, that's true. Uh, that's true. We're uh, I'm getting excited about that and doing a lot of doing a little bit of traveling here and uh, heading back to Kansas here at the end of the month, end of uh, end of July, I guess. So making a making a pit stop in Wisconsin to see a good friend of mine, Alex, up there. He's actually got my the litter mate to my dog, uh, Jet. And I'm uh, going to pick up a trailer, I think, and then uh, head on down to Kansas and start getting ready for everything for deer and and then waterfowl season. So pretty excited. I, I suppose it's kind of a, a maybe a different feeling than um, just like the regular guy, you know, with waterfowl season and hunting season uh, approaching. It's It's got to be some sort of mixed emotion because it's, you know, a little bit work, but a lot of it play, I guess. And, um, you know, it's the passion, but... I, I don't know. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, a little bit work and a lot of play. Well, it, sometimes it's that way, but uh, other times it's a lot of work and a little bit of play. It just depends <laughs> on the. Uh, I figured. I figured. It, it just depends on the situation. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm busy right now. Um, you know, we're getting our. Uh, we've got our lodge lined out. Um, at our new camp there in central Kansas. We're just going to call that the central Kansas lodge. Um, and then of course we've still got the Howard, our lodge in southeastern Kansas there in Howard. Um, but, uh, getting that, got that all lined out and, you know, working on decoy purchases and, you know, figuring out some stuff with some of my guides and, uh, and, uh, booking hunters, you know, so opening up the new expansion, uh, is, uh, is a big, big step for us. And, you know, it's going to be our, it's going to be hunt Hickory Creek's first year in central Kansas. But the, the couple of the guys that I've brought on have been out there all their lives. Uh, one guy, uh, his name is from, his name is, uh, Cody, um, Cody Crook. He's from Ellenwood, Kansas. And then I got another boy. His name is, uh, Trevor Stoll and he's from Hutchinson, Kansas. And Trevor guides and, Canada and uh, September and October, and then uh, Cody uh, works for I think the the co-op out there or the farmer service. He sprays fields and gets all the food ready for the ducks for all the farmers out there. So right. that's right. always uh, we're all in the work phase right now. Cody's Cody's getting ready for the ducks, planting for them, and and all that stuff. Just he he works for uh, like I said the the farmer service and sprays and he's doing thousands and thousands of acres at a time out there. So he's, he's always sending me Snapchats being in the tractor and working on corn and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, we're, uh, we're busy, 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 but we're, uh, we're excited for waterfowl season for sure. Yeah. Um, and I think we're going to have Cody on for, uh, he's going to teach us how to actually scout, right? Yeah, I, I, I did the I did the broad I did the broad stroke, uh, if you will. Um, but uh, there's nobody better in the business that I know of that's better finding birds, uh, especially in Central Kansas. And Cody, he's uh, he's top notch guy. He's got a dog from Southern Oak Kennels like I do. Um, that's actually how we met, and uh, and he's a he's a great guy. He really is. And I'll tell you one thing: he can find some birds. There ain't yeah. no two ways about it. That guy can find birds, and he knows what to look for, and he's he's good at it. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, looking forward to having having that knowledge get on the show, for sure. So what's uh what's the lodge? You want to paint a little picture for us um, on on the lodge? Oh. Yeah. Well, you can go on our Facebook page and uh, and or our Instagram and see pictures of the actual lodge itself. But it's uh. It's about half a mile uh, west of Quivera National Refuge, um, which I actually found out is the largest interior refuge in the entire country. Or not, maybe it's the interior. It might be interior wetland. Hmm. Um, I think it's interior. I think it's the largest interior refuge in the entire country. And it's half a mile out the front door. Um, when we got our hands on this place um, and we pulled up to the, to the lodge, um, I got out and I immediately, I didn't even look at the house. I looked out in front of it. It's just got an absolute stellar view 
of the entire, pretty much the entire refuge. I mean, I can't imagine, I can't, I can't even describe what's going to be able to be seen from the front porch. I mean, <laughs> the, the, the clients that are, the clients that are lucky enough to go there or, you know, willing enough to come out and hunt with us and, and stay at that lodge. I mean, it's going to be incredible what these guys are going to be able to see um, from the front porch. I mean, it's, I think it's a three bedroom, couple baths. Uh, it's got a barn in the back with a cleaning shed that we're going to turn into our processing facility. Oh. Um, and it's got a, like a 30 by 30 concrete slab next to that, that we're going to build dog kennels on for all the clients to bring dogs and for our dogs. Uh, it's got a pool table. It's, it's nice. It's real nice. Um, so we're, we're super stoked about that. It's, uh, it's a pretty cool a place. It's got a big fire pit and a little pond and it's going to be pretty nice. It's a pretty nice little lodge for sure. So we're, we're excited about that. It, it was uh, it was a godsend. It fell right in our laps, and it's a it's an awesome place. So, gonna be a lot of memories and a lot of beers drank at that place. Hey, yeah, there you go, man. So, let's back it up. How how did it come to be um, your position at Hunt Hickory Creek? Well, it's gonna be a little bit of a long story, but I don't mind telling it for sure. So, I grew up. Uh, originally grew up in Florida until I was about 12 or 13 years old and then moved to Virginia uh, where my dad's side of the family is from. And my grandfather has been a huge hunter um, his entire life. He's from a little town called Montrose, Virginia. It's up off the Potomac River. And growing up, uh, he would always tell me stories about hunting and duck hunting and uh, shooting canvas backs up on the Potomac by the truckloads, uh, shooting lead number fives that he hand loaded, uh, and his old army fatigue camo, you know, he was in the, he was in the military and, uh, where we moved to in Virginia, there's a, there's a little Creek behind my parents' house. that kind of opens up to like a little lagoon and first winter that we were there, there's always geese and ducks and, you know, mainly geese, uh, back in the creek behind the house. So along with my granddad, me and my dad went out, we built a huge blind, way too big, like a 16 by 16 blind with like a 20 foot boat house on the back of it. And we'd go out there and shoot a couple geese here and there. Um, but, uh, that was actually my first bird was a goose. I think if I recall, recall correctly, and, uh, that kind of, that kind of started the fire. Um, and then I got into, when I got into high school, I got into deer hunting with a couple of my buddies. And then I went off to college, played baseball, went into college, went into college to play baseball. And, uh, I just, I was just burnt out on it. I had played since I was five years old and I was burnt out and my passions had shifted. I was more concerned with hunting and fishing and, other things than I was with baseball. So I, uh, changed my major. I was originally a sports management major. Uh, when I started college, changed it to biology. And then I, uh, after my sophomore year of college, I transferred back and moved back home. Uh, went to a college called Christopher Newport university here in Newport news, Virginia. And, uh, continued my biology degree and ended up graduating with a uh, bachelor's in organismal biology um, hmm. or wildlife, wildlife biology. Well, while I was in college, I worked at Bass Pro Shops for two years. And then I worked at a little archery shop called Wilcox Bait and Tackle. It's been open for like 50 or 60 years. Little mom and pop shop. And one day had a guy come in, needed a bow worked on. And we just got to talking, and he had just moved to Virginia from um, Illinois, and his name was his name's actually Ben. Uh, ben it's a good Evans. name, solid name. Yeah, yeah, good guy. He's a good friend of mine, and uh, he came into the store. And I said, "Where'd you get this bow from?" Because he didn't buy it from us. It was a brand new Matthews, and we were the only Matthews dealer in the area. And he said, "I got it as a tip from a client." I said what were you doing that you got a brand new Matthews as a tip for a client from a client? 
he said, I was uh, I guided in Pike County, Illinois for four years after college. And I looked at him, you know, just like, OK, this guy's just full of it. You know, and he's like, no, really, I did. I said, I got my I got my camera in my truck. I'll bring it in and show you some some footage. So he brought his camera in into the shop. And we hooked up the TV and he's just showing me bean field after bean field with 150 to 200 inch deer in full velvet. They were riding around glass in the fields in August and September. And uh, I said, man, that's awesome. He said, yeah, I really loved it. I actually got a job from a client. I said, cool. So he moved to Williamsburg, Virginia, and he worked for uh, a fr- like a big freezer company or food company or something along those lines. Okay. And he's like, uh, yeah, I got a good job, but I really don't have anywhere to hunt here or anything like that. And I was, you know, 19 or 20 years old at the time. And I said, well, you know, hey, you know, you can come hunt with me if you want. I got a, I got about 140 acres you can come hunt. And at the time, I was real particular about who I let hunt with me. So I actually made this guy that guided in Illinois for four years sit sit on a in a lock-on. We doubled up in a tree, made him sit with me for like the first two or three times we went out. So I knew that he actually knew what he was doing. Oh, man. Um, and uh, so after college, I uh, – I knew I didn't want to be inside. I didn't want to be working in a lab or anything like that. And I called Ben. I said, hey, you think you could reach out to your old outfitter and see if, you know, they might be looking for a guide? And he said, yeah, I'll look. So he called me a few days later. And uh, he said, yeah, they might be looking for somebody. And when he said that, it was it was like a light switch turning on, man. It was something I'd always seen on TV and, you know, and all that stuff. And I was like, man, if I could make money doing what I love hunting and fishing. I said, that's, that's every, that's every guy's dream. Oh yeah. So I went to Illinois, packed up my truck, got all my clothes on my deer stands, everything I needed, packed up my truck and I drove to Pike County, Illinois and I guided there for a fall. Um, I did mainly, mainly deer hunting there. Um, but, um, throughout this entire time waterfowl had slowly been taken over my my hunting passion and uh so excuse me i guided there for a fall and a winter and uh i i enjoyed the guiding aspect of things i just didn't particularly care for uh you know the place i was working at was nice and all that it just wasn't wasn't a good fit for me so i said well I got to find somewhere else to go. So I got online and I bet you I called or emailed probably 30 or 40 different outfitters across the country. I mean, Illinois, Indiana, Kentucky, Ohio, Nebraska, uh, Oklahoma. And then I was watching TV one night in the midst of doing all this and Kansas popped up. I said, you know what? I didn't even look in Kansas yet. So I searched Kansas whitetail hunting or whitetail guide, and the first website that popped up was Hunt Hickory Creek. So I called, called, uh, I called, and uh, Jeff, he's the owner, and Jeff answered, and I told him who I was, and you know I was interested in maybe guiding for him and this and that, and he said, well, I'm, I'm not really looking for anybody right now. He said, but send me your resume and you know, send me a list of references and, you know, give me a call back in a few days. So I sent all that stuff over to him, emailed it to him, waited about two or three days and I called him and we talked for probably another half hour. He said, yeah, you know, it, it all, this all sounds pretty good, you know? And he said, well, let me chew on it for a few days and give me a call back. So I gave him two or three days and then I called him back and we talked for, I don't know, probably another 30 or 45 minutes. And he said, yeah, I need, I need another guy. I need, I need another guy. A couple things have come up and I need another guy. So come on, be out here, you know, August 1st. So in the midst of that, I said, uh, I said, are you, uh, you know, I wanted to get into waterfowl guiding. You know, I'd done it quite a bit. I'd waterfowl hunted quite a bit and taken some people out back home. And I, uh, he said, yeah, I got, got a waterfowl operation. It's kind of starting up. And I went out there and, I guided for two years um, doing deer, turkey, and, and waterfowl under a different manager, and um, the other manager ended up going elsewhere, and I took over last year, <clears throat> um, and uh, 
man, we've been rolling. We've been rolling ever since. And last year uh, was a good year, um, but I, I wanted to make some changes. And I was kind of in a position where I was able to do that. At this point now, it's five years into it. Um, I'm the head waterfowl guide. Right? I guess you would say a waterfowl manager. Um, one of the head deer guides, and one of the head turkey guides. So I uh, took over the waterfowl division and uh, met Cody a couple years ago and was looking to expand. And, um, you know, I knew I, I knew eventually, I've known for a few years that I wanted to be in central Kansas. And uh, the stars aligned and it worked out to where we were able to team up with Cody and Trevor and a few other people and, um, and how we've got a big expansion that's starting up in central Kansas and it's, uh, the sky's the limit for us. We're just continually pushing day in and day out to make things better and, and grow the company and grow the outfitter and, and do it the right way. So that's kind of how I got from, uh, I guess you would say, you know, the bottom of the barrel to the top, hopefully. So that's where we're going with it. Right. Right. So question for you. It's kind of, I just thought of this now, you know, I'm not interested, but you know, I call you and I'm like, Hey, you know, I'm I'm just fresh out of high school or Juco or or college. And I'm like, Hey, I'm interested in, um, you know, being a, a waterfowl guide. What are the, what are the things you evaluate, um, a guy on that is going to be, working for you or, you know, working in your operation? Well, that's a good question um, because a lot of guys that are getting into guiding think that it's only about, only about the hunt, only about killing and only about, you know, how many birds can you put down? How many deer can you get killed? How many turkeys can you kill? And to be honest with you, in, in my opinion, that's second um, because you can be the best goose caller in the world the best duck caller in the world the best hunt you know waterfowl hunter in the world but if you can't deal with people on a day-to-day basis build relationships have conversations then you know uh, i can always find somebody that can kill birds finding the guys that can kill birds and build relationships and keep clients happy you know maybe when things aren't going right or or when things are going really good you know, and keeping that, keeping that momentum going and keeping clients happy. I mean, that's, that's what it's all about. I mean, you can't te- you can teach somebody how to duck hunt. You can teach somebody how to goose hunt. You know, you can teach somebody how to look for, you know, look for places to hunt, scout and all that kind of stuff. And you, you guys do a great job of, uh, of covering that in a lot of your podcasts. But the one thing you can't teach somebody is how to, communicate how to have relationships and how to build lasting relationships. I mean, I've got, I'm getting married next year and I've got clients that are going to be coming to my wedding. And, you know, if you were just a good guy, you know, good hunter, you know, you wouldn't have those kind of relationships. So that for me is one of the biggest things is can you get, can you be a good enough guide that even when things aren't going good, the clients are still having the time of their life. I mean, that's that's where we're going with our operation is we're going to kill birds. I mean, that's just, you know, we've got all the right people. We've got all the right places. And we've got we've got everything going for us. We're going to kill birds. Um, but, you know, the ability to rebook clients, maybe when things aren't going as, as planned, the ability to handle situations that, you know, may not be ideal, you know, handle problems, be a problem solver. You know, that's the kind of stuff that makes a good guide. I told Jeff when he interviewed me, you know, over the course of our three or four phone phone calls, I think he said, you know, what, what's your idea of a successful hunt? And we were talking about deer hunt at this point. Um, and I said, you know, I don't base, a successful hunt on whether a guy kills a deer or not, or whether he kills a turkey or not, or whether he shoots limited ducks or not. I bet if I can get a guy to come back that wasn't successful, maybe didn't kill it, maybe didn't fill his deer tag, maybe only killed one turkey, you know, maybe had decent hunts. But if I can, if I can get a guy to come back 
and he didn't have the best hunting opportunity or didn't have the best hunt, then that's when you know that you've done your job as a guide. So those are the kind of guides, those are the kind of guys that I look for, you know, and the guys that I've got in place now um, are those kind of guys. We're all like-minded. We all understand, you know, we're a big team. We talk every single day, you know, that's, that's where our operation is going. And that's what I look for in a guide. Um, I've worked with guides that are the best, some of the best turkey hunters in the world, the best deer deer guides in the world or, or whatever it may be, but they just don't have that X factor of being able to communicate or being able to build relationships or being able to treat clients like they deserve to be treated because you can't, you have to be able to control the things that you can control. And that's something that we preach with our guides and, you know, as an outfitter, you have to control the things that you can control. You can't control the weather. You can't control whether, uh, whether the birds are going to get up at seven o'clock or nine o'clock, but you can control your effort. You can control how you set up. You can control how you treat people. Those are the things you have to control. You know, you can control whether the lodge is clean. You know, being a guide isn't just, isn't just going out and shooting ducks. You know, you may have to go back and clean the lodge up or cook dinner or, or, or whatever, you know, doing what you have to be doing doing what you have to do, you know, to make everybody have a good experience. Cause some of these guys save up money for years to go on one hunt or go on a hunt. You know, that some guys go on two or three hunts every year, but you got to treat everybody like it's, you know, you, you just got to treat everybody. Being able to treat people right is, is the biggest thing, no matter where they're from, who they are, you know, what their situation may be. You got to be able to treat people right and, and be good to them. So that's, in a nutshell, it's a big nutshell, but in a nutshell, that's what I look for in guides. Yeah. No, that's important because I think everybody has been on a day where they shot zero ducks, had a great time. And then on the same hand, we've all had, you know, where we shot up kind of a bang up, bang up hunt, but it really wasn't the most enjoyable for one reason or another. And um, a lot of that comes down to the experience and the feel um, of the people that you shared the blind with. You know, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. I couldn't agree with you more on that. Yep. So question for you. This is, uh, this is what I always kind of thought. So a huge part of, uh, you know, duck hunting and and goose hunting for me is the, you know, calling birds and working birds like that. Um, how frequently, um, and how do you (laughs) deal with, uh, you know, maybe a, a client that, really wants to call, but it's kind of, you know, not getting it done or kind of maybe detracting from it. Or I guess you guys hunt lessers quite a bit, right? Um, yeah. Our, our, our new lodge, um, in, in central Kansas is going to be eight is eight up with lessers, lesser specs, nose ducks, um, where our Howard camp is, is mainly ducks and big geese. Um, so, <clears throat> There's a little bit of difference there back, you know, between the two places on the styles of hunting and calling and whatever. Um, but that's another thing about being a guide is being able to handle a tough situation like that. You know, I, where we're at, we allow people to bring their dogs, for instance. You know, but there's a time and a place where if you're a guide and you're out running a hunt, you know, if the dog is breaking or the dog is whining or, or whatever, you've got to be able to tell the client hey you know we're gonna have to go put the dog up in the truck or we're gonna have to figure something else out because he's flaring the birds or he's spooking the birds or you know it's a safety concern um and that goes hand in hand with with calling i mean you know if it's working you know sometimes you know we may need everybody to, everybody in the blind that has a call let's throw it all at them you know maybe a tough day and we need to throw the kitchen sink at them you know then we may have everybody call um and we and sometimes we have guys call but a lot of times guys you know they get so wrapped up in you know the beauty of of the hunting out in kansas you know and hunting with us that the last thing that they really want to do is have to worry about calling to be honest with you we get some guys that really want to and and we're okay with that but you know you also may have to say hey you know what let's let's put the calls down let's you know let's let the guides the guides will handle and if we need you guys to jump in we will 
Um, and that's a tough situation to deal with, but you got to be able to handle it with, you know, with not, you know, with light hands and, you know, be able to, to tell people that, you know, we need to, we got to do something a little bit different because what we're doing right now isn't working. So yeah, we run, we run into that every once in a while, but usually everybody's on board. We, we do meetings and, you know, we, we kind of have powwows before the hunt and, you know, have expectations and, and all that stuff. So, Oh yeah. So what does that, what does that look like? Um, you know what I mean? Uh, your powwows and like, what's the, what's the safety brief beforehand and all that stuff, you know, like how, uh, how diligent, um, do you have to be with all that stuff? Cause you know, I, I think about just when I take out just one new person, uh, that I'm unfamiliar with, um, you know, all the stuff that we go over in the truck on the way there. And, you know, I, I can't imagine what it is like running six to eight people like that, you know? Oh yeah. So, you know, a lot of times we have everybody sign safety, you know, safety waivers and all that stuff. And, you know, knock on wood, we've never had an incident or accident. Um, we had a pretty close call last year, um, with a, one guy swinging one, get one way and another guy swinging another way. And we handled that situation and it was all fine. Um, but, um, you know, something, you know, for me personally, you know, I've got a dog that I've got a lot of time, energy and money invested in that I care a lot mm. about, you know, so if my dog is in the field or in the water, nobody else has their guns up. You know, if there's a cripple to be shot, you know, we address that before the hunt. You know, if we got to shoot a cripple, you know, I'll tell you when to shoot it or I'll shoot it or, or whatever. Um, but, uh, you know, just, just as, as a guide, you know, a lot of times, um, the way we set up, you know, say we've got two or three A-frames put together. A lot of times one guide will sit on one side, one guide will sit on the other, um, you know, running dog from each end, um, you know, and that way we're kind of able to keep an eye out on everything. And, you know, a lot of times we'll be calling and looking at birds and I'll also be looking up and down the blind to make sure guys have their safety on or, you know, and stuff like that. Um, you know, and after their shoot, you know, we don't send the dogs and until after everybody's done shooting, you know, our dogs don't break or anything like that. So we, we've got really good dogs and that's thanks. A lot of that's thanks to, uh, Barton Ramsey and the Southern Oak Kennels crew with the killer dogs that they put out. But, uh, you know, just, just being safe, you know, it, it's a lot of, it's all common sense, but being aware of your surroundings is something that, you know, as a guide, you really have to be in tune with. Um, because like you said, you're bringing, six, eight, ten guys, you know, they may be in one group, they may be in a couple different groups and, you know, just just being aware of your surroundings and, and being paying attention to details. You know, it may be the guy three or four guys down from you doesn't have the safety on. You gotta be able to pick that stuff out. You know, you gotta be able to make sure that guys are are hundred percent safe all the time. So right. um, it's it's usually not an issue. I haven't had any issues with stuff like that. Um and, and if we ever do have an issue like that, we, you know, we address it. It's, it's taken care of pretty quickly. So. All right. Yeah. Nice, man. Yeah. So what's the, what would you say? What's the, what was the most rewarding hunt for you this season? Uh, my last one of the season for sure. <laughs> when I asked Megan, when uh, I asked Megan to marry me, that was definitely, it was probably, one of my less successful hunts as far as birds being killed, but, uh, for sure my most memorable hunt I've ever had. So, uh, that was definitely the, the biggest one I've had biggest, my biggest hunt, I guess you would say, um, having, uh, having Megan there and, uh, a bunch of my friends and fam- you know, a bunch of my friends might as well be family at this point, um, from S from Southern Oak Kennels and, some other places. So that, that was definitely my most rewarding one. Um, but one of my most memorable ones we had, uh, I think we had, uh, we had one hunt, we call it 30 for 30. We shot third, we shot our 30 ducks in 30 minutes. It was a cool little hunt, man. We, I think we didn't have anything bigger than maybe a group of 10 come in at a time, but it was every, it was every minute and a half. We had a flock coming in or, you know, every two or three minutes have a flock come in shot a, shot a pretty bang out limit. It was a lot of fun with some, some older guys, um, who actually were in two separate groups. Um, and they're actually booking together this year. So that was really cool. 
uh, that they'd never met before until they came and hunt with us in Kansas. And, uh, and now they're, uh, you know, they're friends that are coming back to hunt together. So that was, that's awesome. That was, that was pretty neat. So, and then we had another hunt. I had another hunt with some guys from SOK. Um, one of the dog trainers down there, Corey, he, uh, he came up with a group of guys and we shot a limited, I think we shot a nine man limited ducks in like 45 minutes. And we could have, uh, we could have, uh, if we had had nine more guys, we could have driven back to the lodge, ate breakfast, gone to the diner, you know, gone to take a nap and come back and done it again. It was a, it was a pretty stellar day. It was a lot of fun. So we had a lot of good dog work and, good shooting and good laughs and it was, it was a great time so those are probably my three most memorable ones from this year so nice nice all right this is this is one you know you spend a lot of time out in the field um what's the craziest thing that you've ever witnessed oh the craziest thing i've ever witnessed oh me that's putting me on the spot. Well, I can tell you one of my most memorable, <laughs> one of the craziest things I've seen my dog do. Um, when he, I started hunting him when he was 12 and a half months old, uh, maybe 13 months old. And we were hunting a cut bean field. Um, and about two weeks prior to this, I had been seeing on social media all this stuff about a quill goose. Quill geese, quill goose, you know, and everybody was talking about it. I had never seen one. A what? Uh, a quill goose. Crow goose, uh, a quill. Yep, Q U I L L. Quill Lake. It's a, oh yeah 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 quill. Yeah. Yep. So there's a it's a it's like a subspecies of Canada goose that like ninety five percent of them are from a region in Saskatchewan called Quill Lake, and I think they like crossbreed with like domestic geese or something, but they get a big white bar across right. their stomach, and then they get white. Their last like three or four flight feathers on their wingtips will be completely white. Um, if you get a really good one. So we get a flock of geese coming in. Um, and I call a shot and, you know, we drop like five or six right in the decoys. One sailed out to like a hundred yards and this other one's dripping oil. That's what I call it when they just, you know, they're doing this long, slow glide down. He was dripping oil across his field. He landed probably four or 500 yards out in the middle of his field. Well, we had birds all over the place, you know, and, um, so I ran out, jet ran out and grabbed, like the one that was like a hundred yards and brought it back. And I had gathered up a couple more and I look out to this one that had sailed way out in the middle of this field. And he was laying down when I first saw him. Well, by the time I got these other birds and I looked out at him, he had stood up and he was facing us and he like flapped his, like stretched his wings out. And I just see this big white bar across his stomach and like his right wing had, the last three or four feathers were completely white and I just absolutely lost it. So I get jet and mind you, he's a puppy at this point. I hadn't done a lot of blind work with him or anything like that. And I just, I just line him up and I say his name and he just takes off running and he just keeps going and going and going and going. And he gets to about 250 yards and this goose sees him coming and takes off running and he's running and flapping and running and flapping. At this point, Jet finally sees him and just turned. I mean, he just, he hit the turbo, man. I mean, he just turned it on. And by the time Jet had got to the goose, he was about four and a half feet off the ground flying. And Jet jumped in, jumped in the air, grabbed the goose in midair and hit the ground and rolled like three times with the goose in his mouth. And when he finally got his feet underneath him, he was facing back to us at the blind. And he stood there, looked at me, looked down at the goose, looked at me, looked down at the goose. And you could just tell he was like super jacked at what he had just done. <laughs> I mean, I will never forget. It's probably my most memorable retreat that he had ever done. And I was like, I was like a kid like that won the World Series out in the middle of the field to see, you know, a 12 and a half month old dog do that. I mean, it right. was absolutely incredible. One of the yeah. craziest things I've ever seen. And I, when I saw him do that, that was, that was a, pretty cool moment for me something i'll never forget so he's thinking hey did you get that on camera oh i know it's one of those moments that like it happens and you're like man i really wish i'd have had that on camera but at the same time it's like you know if i would have been videotaping it i would have never seen it really happen you know right so, yeah and it's so it's so vivid and so burned in my mind you know a memory like that and that's the kind of stuff that you know as a waterfowl guy that you 
want your clients to experience, you know, and want people to be able to see, because that's the kind of stuff that you, you don't see that on TV or you may not see that kind of stuff happen at home or, you know, you got good dogs working and good hunts going. I mean, that's the kind of stuff, that's the kind of cool stuff that can happen. So. Yeah, that's, I mean, the mental image there was, was great. So. <laughs> oh, I got, I got, I got one more. I got one more for you that happened last year. I'm a, I'm gonna throw Wade skiing under the bus. Cause I, yes. I give him a hard time about this all the time, but we were, <laughs> He came over and hunted around Thanksgiving, which last year we didn't run any clients around that time. But, you know, this year will be late October all the way into November and then on. But he came over around Thanksgiving and we were shooting some geese and some ducks. And we were all, you know, everybody's guns were completely empty. And then out of nowhere, this big, huge, beautiful bull drake canvas back comes buzzing through the decoys does one half circle and flies completely over the layout blinds about 20 yards over top of the blinds and Wade emptied his gun and didn't cut a feather. That was <laughs> probably one of the best things I saw last year. And he's going to hate me for saying that, but it was, we laughed. We, I still laugh about it to this day. It was, it was, it was hilarious. So, yeah, I think I have a very similar story to that. Um, and it was unfortunately I'll throw myself under the bus is we had a group come in and and I, I, I swear this the the lead bird was about 10 yards off the foot of my foot of my blind and I whiffed on that thing twice before it finally got up and I, I hit it in the air but I could not hit that thing for the life of me yeah right and, when it's right when it's in the hole you couldn't kill it yeah I, and it was like 10 like and I remember thinking to myself, oh, man, I'm going to destroy this bird on, you know, like, dang it. Um, but everybody else was shooting, and no one had shot at that one yet. And I was like, ah, okay. Missed it twice, finally got it on the third shot. But Yeah, yeah when, that, when that happened, Wade just laid back in his blind, and he was just – because he's never killed a canvas back before. Oh, so man. I, so it was – and it was an unusual time of the year. Usually we see the cans down there, and, and Howard, we usually see them, you know – beginning of december all the way through the end of the season but that one that one came through as pretty as you could ask for and he just he completely missed so i was and you talk about people like saying you know oh they never shot a a canvas back and these people that have been hunting for like 10 15 20 30 years you know um when i first started hunting or getting serious about it in in uh about five years ago yeah five years ago um on the Rio Grande, you know, I was going out there all by myself, maybe with a couple people, and, and I would text my buddy afterwards. Um, you know, he was the most, this most serious duck hunter I knew. Uh, his name's Tony White, and he's in the group. But um, I'd send him a picture of my birds, and I'd be like, hey, man, I, I got this teal. You know, it kind of looks weird. I, I don't know what, it, you know, it's it's the size of a teal, um, but it's got like a blue wing, and it's kind of red and whatever. He's like, oh, my God, you shot a cinnamon teal on your in your first season? I was like, uh, yeah, I, I guess, you know, um, and oh then, my gosh. yeah. And then like uh, that same, I, yeah, he, it was so bad, um, that he came down and like knocked out a couple hunts with me, drove all the way from Nebraska to hunt where I was hunting because I was shooting canvas back. I was shooting cinnamon teal. I was shooting, you know, did like mount, did you get it mounted? Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually I shot two cinnamon teal uh back-to-back seasons um and i gave him one of the cinnamon teal as payment for mounting this one so nice nice yeah yeah that's a bucket luster for me for sure so i've never i've never even seen one so i'd be i'd be beside myself if i got to shoot a cinnamon teal especially (laughs) full plume yeah yeah and it it, it's it's a good-looking bird for sure. That's awesome. It's hard to beat a Drake Widgeon, though, man. I love Everybody loves pintails and mallards and all that stuff. Man, I, we've killed some Widgeon in Kansas. I swear to you, you think they're pintails in the sky because they got, you know, freaking yeah. two or three-inch two or three inch sprigs on them. And they, when you shoot a, a full-plume Drake Widgeon with a sprig like that, man, they are hard to beat. I'll tell you right now. I love Widgeon. And they're not bad eating either. Um <laughs> No, no, they're sure. not bad eating at all. No, I killed a. I actually have a goose in the taxidermist right now, in Canada, a big grader that I killed last year that uh, has a white bar between his beak and his. Let's see, is it 
I think it's between his beak and his eyes. So they have the throat patch that goes underneath of their throat. Yeah. And this one's got a white bar that goes right across, like almost looks like eye black going across his his huh. beak. Interesting. It's pretty pretty cool. Big big bird with a big old white white stripe across his beak. Or oh, his eyes there, so that's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. So but uh but yeah, man, we're we're excited. I'm I'm getting amped up for it. All the new TV shows started, and oh yeah, you know, so you get to binge watch those, and then you got to wait another week for them to come on. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I downloaded that My Outdoor TV app. So worst decision ever, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. That's awesome. But, um, That's awesome. Yeah, man. So now. Do you guys have uh, do you guys have any video content or um, I don't know like I know Megan does a lot of like photos and video for you guys um, but do you guys have like you know like video or anything like that? Um, we've got a little bit, um, but that's that's a big that's a big part of our goal for this year is to get some big some really good content. Um, I've got a couple of photographers that are going to be there when Megan's not around because she comes out the first week of December. Um, and then we actually have a, a sporting dog adventures with Jeff Fuller. He came out and hunted with us last year. Um, he did a duck hunt with us and then he hunted at Flint Oak um, for pheasants and chuckers and all that kind of stuff. But there'll be a video spot. I think the first first Monday in September, I think, is when that show comes on. And uh, it was a pretty killer place that we were hunting. We had the game warden come and bother us for an hour during prime time, so that was nice. Yeah, um, but, yeah. Uh, we had some. They got. They should have some pretty cool footage on there. We had a lot of. We had a lot of birds around. So, um, but uh, yeah, that's definitely a big. Uh, we got a big push for that this year. We got some some guys coming out to help us, and uh, and uh, we're going to be doing some filming ourselves. So we're excited about that for sure. Yeah, sure. that's because that's always fun, and then you know it's also an added thing where you know users can, you know, see what they're going to be getting into with you guys and whatnot, and then and then we're yeah, gonna... some, something I'm considering doing this year. Um, back here in Virginia, there's a well, actually in the Outer Banks, North Carolina, there's a charter boat captain that at the end of the day, when they get back in from tuna fishing or marlin fishing or whatever, he does like a Facebook Live, like a you know kind of a report. And I think that's something that we're gonna we're gonna do this year. Um, nobody else really does that, and I think that's something that we're gonna try to do this year. You know, the good, the bad, the ugly. Just do a, um, you know, kind of a a recap of the day or the hunts or whatever, and you know, kind of get everybody's perspective on how the hunt went and that kind of stuff. And you know, try to keep our followers up to speed on what's been going on. And, um, and I think uh, we're also gonna try to run it try to get a snapchat account opened up for our waterfowl division you know i got a couple of guides that love taking snapchat videos wearing their blind so i think that's <laughs> something that we're going to try to do too so yeah that'd be All a cool way for everybody to kind of live vicariously through us on their on our social media so yeah i guess i didn't even ever think of that because yeah if you're going to be you know if i'm going to book a hunt with you i got i got a hunt booked with you um that season or something and I, yeah, I follow our Snapchat so you can you know keep up to date. Okay, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of get you all amped up for it. Yeah, um, yeah, and that's something that you know. I think most outfitters do it, but you know, like if I got a group of guys coming in on say like Saturday and we get a bad weather push or you know we lose birds or something, that's something that we're we're really focused on too. Is you know I'm not going to have you know a group of six or eight or ten guys just come out and take their money you know, if we don't have birds to shoot, you know, I'll call them and we'll reschedule or we'll try to figure out a better time for them to come or, you know, or move their dates to the following year or whatever. That's something that we're, you know, we're not against doing at all. If it means that our clients are going to be successful. So, you know, that's, uh, that's just kind of part of our program that we're trying to do is, you know, provide a, again, provide an experience. I mean, a lot of guys, um, you know, or girls or women or will book a hunt and, you know, and you may go with a guy that just, you know, you may shoot your limits and you may kill birds and do all that stuff. But, uh, 
you know, we're looking to go that extra mile. You know, we're going to kill birds. That's that's a given. We're going to kill birds. We're going to kill a lot of birds. Um, but we're going to – we're really high in on uh, providing experience, you know, from the day, the moment you wake up to the moment you lay your head on the pillow. You know, we're going to have killer meals and we're going to be cooking on the Traegers and smoking ribs and, you know, pork butts and briskets and, you know, drinking cold beer and telling lies and having a good time and – you know, we really want to provide the entire experience, um, not necessarily just the, uh, you know, the hunting aspect. And that was a big, that was a big reason for us to really find a good lodge um, in our central Kansas location. Uh, it's just because, you know, there's a lot of outfitters that, you know, good, bad or ugly, they'll run guys out of hotels and all that kind of stuff. But you just don't get that, you don't get that camaraderie. You don't get that experience of hanging out with your guides and, you know, telling stories and talking about your wife and your kids. And, you know, so that was a big deal for us was to really make sure we had a place that we could do that. Right. Um, so that was a, that was a big reason. And, and, you know, another reason that we're super stoked about our central Kansas lodge is because we're going to be able to do all that kind of stuff. So we'll be able to do it all right there. You know, you'll be able to go sit out at the fire, you know, hopefully shoot a limit in the morning and go out and sit at the fire in the evening and watch all the birds come back to the refuge and, you know, so that's yeah. what we're looking forward to. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. Uh, and then I'm looking forward to, I, I guess we should, we can preview it a little bit. I think um, I'm going to come down there and I'm going to follow you around for a day and we're going to do a little uh, day in the life of a, of a guide um, in central Kansas. Uh, yeah. I think, I think that'll be pretty fun. Yeah. I think it's gonna be pretty epic. It'll be uh Hopefully it'll be a good day hunting and uh, we'll have some good food. And uh, I think that's going to be pretty cool, pretty cool thing to do and uh, give everybody kind of a play by play of how our day goes from the way that from the time the alarm goes off until, until the guides lay down. It's a, you just got to be ready for a long day because we put in long days when we're out there guiding. We don't usually ever quit. So <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's long, long days, a lot of hard work, but it all pays off in the end. So. We're, uh, we're excited. I'm excited about that. That's gonna be that's gonna be pretty cool and pretty unique. So yeah, I think so too. I think so too. Well, before we uh, before we get off here, um, suppose we ought to hit uh, something for the listeners here. So I was hoping maybe you could give them some advice on when and how, um, you know, what to look for. You know, if they're maybe if they're not booking in Kansas or something like that, but. Uh, What's what's some things that you can do to like just be successful getting ready to go out on your on your guided hunt? Right, right. Um, well, as far as the checklist is concerned, making sure you have all your gear, make sure you have it all organized before you leave. Clean and oil your gun. Make sure your gun works. I can't tell you how many clients I've had that they get there, they show up, and they left their plug at home, and or they you know, the gun's not working or their gun's jamming or they bought the wrong shells, you know, take care of the things that you can control before you get there. Because, you know, if you're going somewhere like you do with us, you know, you may be an hour, hour and a half from a place where you can go get uh, parts or ammo or any of that kind of stuff. So taking care of what you can at home um, is a big deal. Um, you know, if you're booking a hunt with an outfitter, don't be afraid to ask for a list of references, you know, talk to your outfitter, talk to the guy that you're trying to book a hunt with, whether it's in, you know, with me in Kansas or, you know, somebody in Missouri or Saskatchewan or wherever you may be going, you know, do your homework. Um, and, uh, you know, and talk to people, you know, if you can, usually you can judge pretty well when you have a conversation with somebody on a phone or via email or whatever it may be. And, and kind of get a feel for what they're like, you know, I mean, don't be afraid to ask them questions that you wish you would have asked them, you know, once you've got there, you know, ask if you can bring your dog, ask if your kids can come, ask if, you know, what do I need to bring? What do I not need to bring? Do I need waiters? Do I not need waiters? You know, ask everything that you need to ask before you get there, because sometimes when you get there, it may be too late. Um, and you may be scrambling, trying to, you know, take care of things that you wish you would have taken care of you know, two or three months before you book. So that's, uh, that's a big deal. Um, you know, and just look for, you know, look for an outfitter that's a good fit for you. Uh, 
you know, it may not necessarily be us. It may not be the guy next to us. It may be, you know, somebody else down the road or in another state or in another country. Uh, um, but, uh, you know, get a feel for your guide and, you know, and, and, you know, find out what they're all about. You know, for us, it's, it's about the hunt, um, you know, and, and killing birds and, and having a good time. But, you know, we provide some things that I think other outfitters may not provide. You know, we've got a professional photographer on staff that will photograph your hunt. You know, we provide killer food, you know, really look into, you know, you know, pick apart the details and find out what, you know, what it's all about. Um, you know, and if it's, you know, or like I said before, I'll, I'll beat this horse till it's dead, but you know, we're really about building relationships with people. Um, you know, I don't want, you know, sometimes there's guys that are only going to be able to come out once a year or once every five years or, or whatever. But I want to, you know, I want guys that, that come hunt with me and, and, uh, come hunt with our operation. I want them to come back and I want them to be successful. And, you know, we, we work tirelessly to make sure that we do everything we possibly can to, to make that happen. So, um, and if you find an outfitter that you don't think is, is doing that or does do that, then, you know, keep looking. So, but that's what we're all about in central Kansas and southeast Kansas. So, you know, I can't speak for anybody else, but we uh, we got a pretty good pretty good thing going, and it's only going up from here. So we're pretty excited about it. Yep, absolutely. And then you talk about the uh, building relationships. And, you know, that's that's one of the reasons that uh, we're probably going to be hearing you from you a little bit more um, in the episodes coming up because you're going to be giving us well, – we haven't decided what we're going to call it yet uh, – but you're going to be giving us uh, some professional tips, um, as it were, for the listeners uh, about every week, right? Yeah, yeah, and uh, it'll be a, it'll be a team effort. If there's something that I think I need to pull one of my other guides in on, or um, you know, we'll 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 definitely do everything we can to to help out the listeners and and try to help make them successful. I mean, you know, that's all I want for anybody. Whatever they may be doing is for them to be successful. So. You know, maybe a guy down in Texas or something that needs help with setting a decoy spread, or and you know, or wherever. Um, but uh, that's all we that's all we need. That's all, all we want to do is is help people be successful and then try to provide good experiences. So, all right, man. Well, I uh, I think we should probably get it on and uh, go ahead and end this one. That sounds good, dude. I sure appreciate you uh, having us on, and I'm looking forward to everything we got going here in the future. And uh, it's going to be a good one. Got a long season ahead of us, but we're ready for it. Yes, sir. I, I appreciate it, Ben. I look forward to uh, speaking with you again here soon. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast. Please come join us on our Facebook group, the Fowl Front Waterfowl Podcast group, where you can connect with a good group of hunters. Because we're all in this together. We need to act like it so that hopefully our great-great-grandkids will be hunting ducks over our favorite public lands. Uh, We also ask that you go ahead and give us a written review on iTunes. And give us five stars if you think we deserve it. And we really do want to hear back from you uh, so that we can give you the best possible content. If you get in on that Facebook group, you can get in there and you can ask questions and you can tell us what you want to hear next or you can tell us uh, what you don't like and we'll be sure to tailor things to our listeners so all right stay safe out there and we will see you next week Hey, you ever been sitting in front of your TV just wondering why you can't catch the latest episode of The Foul Front right there in your living room so you can press all your guests and family with your fine taste and podcast listening? Me neither. But hey, as a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, you can now find The Foul Front and some other great podcasts on your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire Stick, Smart TV, even your gaming console just by downloading the Waypoint app. And heck, while you're there, they got over 2,500 hunting and fishing shows on demand. Go download the Waypoint app today. 
go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.